0: The Web Deluxe podcast exists to educate, illuminate, and inform. It does not provide medical advice or recommendations as to any course of treatment, mental health or otherwise. You should always consult with a physician or other licensed healthcare professional, mental health or otherwise, before pursuing any personal growth program or course of treatment.
1: The future of mental health treatment and peak performance enhancement is here. Welcome to the WebDelics Podcast, brought to you by WebDelics, your trusted resource for plant medicine information on the web. By
0: sharing real stories, expert interviews, and honest conversations, we're here to go beyond the myths and get to the truth. Here's your host, Scott Mason. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Web Podcast, where we're on a journey to uncover the truth about psychedelics and plant medicine, get rid of the myths, and change the narrative. I'm your host, Scott Mason, and with us today is Cesar Marin. For over 20 years, Cesar was in the news business, first with CNN Español and then with CNN itself. But then Caesar's life changed. And we're going to talk a lot about what happened and how it changed in a minute. But before we get there, I'd like to share a little bit about who Caesar is right now. He is the founder of Cultivating Wisdom, an apparel company dedicated to people who want to manifest how microdosing psilocybin has changed their lives. Caesar welcome to the show. Scott,
1: thank you so much for having me on. It's truly an honor and a pleasure to be on the Webdelix podcast. I've been following everything that Webdelix has been doing. I'm amazed. I'm amazed by the education that it's bringing forth to people interested in psychedelic medicine. I'm a big fan of what you do, Scott. So to me, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here.
0: Thank you. I think we've got a mutual fan club going on here. Now, not only is your bio pretty amazing, but I've got to say, I've been stalking you. I've seen some of your apparel. It's pretty sweet. So uh, compliment right back at you. And we are we're just thrilled to have you. Now, for those of you who are listening or watching, this is part of a series of episodes that talks about the larger cultural and social implications of the psychedelics renaissance in the Western world. And we have discussed everything from the impacts of psychedelics with regards to the law or the economy to the impact of psychedelics as a potential agent of change with regards to race relations in the United States, particularly vis-a-vis the African-American community. All of these discussions have been grounded in the role that psychedelics, including uh, psilocybin, play and can play in resolving the mental health crisis that has been sweeping the Western world, and in particular the United States, for many years now. With all of that in mind, we're going to tie this back to the social themes of this group of episodes in a moment, Caesar. particularly because it's important to understand that the mental health issues that we talk about Aren't just those within what society considers mainstream, but those that are members of parts of society that have been historically marginalized. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit in more depth uh, in the next few minutes. But before we do that, I have to know the answer here. I cannot stand sitting around waiting, and I'm sure the audience can't stand it either. CNN producer to microdosing entrepreneur. Uh, how, do,
1: how does that happen? It? It, exactly. It's, 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 it's such a crazy story. It's a crazy story. And, 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 and in a nutshell, psychedelics come into my life out of a recreational curiosity like it has in many people's lives. But it came at a time where a transition was going to happen in my life. I knew the writing was on the wall after being at CNN for 25 years and a merger happened, a takeover happening. I'm sorry, not a merger. I knew that layoffs were coming and I knew that there was that potentiality for A boardroom meeting to say, "Hey, how long has he been here? How much does he make?" So I knew that there could be that potential of that being there. And right after my first psychedelic experience, something happened to me. Something was awakened in me. Of there's other potentials that you can do. Believe in yourself. As long as you're centered, as long as you're mindful, as long as you're conscious, as long as you're present. Anything that you can put your mind to, there's a potential of that happening. The potential of you creating a better future for yourself. That's how it opened up. That's how that idea opened up. So I, I, I do get laid off from CNN in between the, the my first psychedelic experience and my layoff. I envision this apparel brand, Cultivating Wisdom, for people to be able to manifest what they're doing. To manifest the fact that psychedelics are part of their lives, but it's organic. It's clean. It's a bit, not recreational, but not too tie-dye or psychedelic.
0: Right, and, and that is one of the things I liked about it. It had a modern, hey, I live in New York City. It had a modern, cool sort of look, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that seemed like it was a throwback or anything like that. I just want to get some clarification about some elements of your story that I think people might find interesting. Just so I am 100% sure I'm right here, you suspected that a layoff was probably going to be coming. I hate to say this, and I know you're not making any accusations at all, God forbid, but because you were at a certain career level and a certain salary level. And with that, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've had to switch careers. And you kind of sometimes do know it's coming, whether you like it or not. And in those cases with me, it's always been an intensely terrifying experience. I, it would have never occurred to me to use psilocybin to deal with that. But what inspired you to say, okay, this is what I need to do before the ax falls on my head.
1: That's a great question. That's a great question because recently I was asking myself, what would have been of my life if psychedelic medicine hadn't come into my life at that time? In other words, what would have been Caesar Marin, and 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 I'm very forthright with everything in my life. It's 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 in articles that are about me or there's so It's not. Uh, I'm not saying something that I hadn't talked about before. I was a cannabis addict. I was I was I had an addiction that was crippling my life at the time. So some monumental things happen all at the same time. About November, October, November, of the last year, I had the psychedelic experience. Psychedelics are sort of mushroom psilocybin called me. People call they they talk about the calling they were called to me twice, someone in my life talked about psychedelic medicine, and what they were feeling. And that opened up to perception. So it wasn't like I knew I was going to get laid off, let me do some mushrooms, or let me have a journey to see what happens. And then go from there. It was almost like it happened like a snowball effect, the calling happened, uh, the medicine comes into my life, I realize I'm awakened a bit and come to the realization That there is the potential of a layoff. The layoff happens as I'm microdosing. I'm in a a protocol cycle of microdosing when the layoff comes. So by then, I'm totally awakened. By then, I'm in that situation in my life that people who microdose talk about about being very present, about realizing that the past is the past. I could have sat there, Scott. I could have sat there and said, what if I would have taken this promotion at CNN? What if I would have taken that job at, at Fox that was offered back then? What if? What if that? What is that? Or I could have also sat in that anxious life of, what am I going to do now? What's going to happen next? So I'm going to start this business. Is it going to happen? Where do I go? Microdosing helped me to really calm and center myself and move from there. So it's sort of that's how the transition happened and that's how it opened up. But it's a really great question because I do sometimes ask myself, what would have been of me if I wouldn't have had the awakening? through psychedelic medicine. The transformation was, it was possible, but I'm not sure.
0: You said so much in there that spoke to me. And I'm going to explore that because if it speaks to me, I'm sure it speaks to a lot of other people. But let me just ask you a couple of other questions before we get there. One is a definitional one. You mentioned protocol cycle or some word like that. Could you just explain what that, Term is and what it means to folks who may not know.
1: As I, I find the term microdosing, I, I I become an expert in microdosing, and I, and I'm a big believer that for this to, to to help anyone, you have to become an expert. You have to know what you're doing. Don't microdose because you know your neighbor microdosing because I because I'm microdosing. Educate yourself, right, and then go from there. To me, it was that foundation of realizing that for microdosing to work. You have to be on a good, consistent protocol. This isn't just, I'm going to take a microdose now, and it's going to work. That didn't happen for me. So I read up on on, on protocol, and the protocol that most talked to me was the protocol that they called the Fadiman protocol. The Fadiman, Dr. James Fadiman is is, is pretty much the doctor, the, the godfather of microdosing. He sort of came up with the term. As many people out there know, if you've followed psychedelics and, and microdosing, So that protocol really spoke to me because it was a protocol of one day on a dosage day and then two days off. You had a transition day and an integration day. There's other protocols. Obviously, there's people that do four days on, three days off because maybe they have a high deadline, high demand job and they need four days to have that focus, that clarity, that creativity. But protocol is incredibly important. I'm a big believer because of the education that I've had in microdosing. That's the formula for it to be successfully what you're looking for. There's a couple of things. Intentions are important, but that, that protocol, as you were asking, is important that you're on a protocol for a good four to six weeks. This isn't something that happens overnight. But then also that you take integration breaks. That is, as long as you have that protocol, that you make sure that in between those protocol cycles, that there are integration breaks to sit in normal humanity, to sit back into the human everyday Human conditions that we have as human beings, because it's you you need that to happen. You need the body to also build up some resistance. So that's it's protocol is incredibly important. I believe for me, it's really helped me in my journey to of transformation and betterment and self consciousness. But it's been because of the protocol. I I know what 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 the protocol has done for me. I know how to manage it. I know how to handle it. So so definitely protocol has been an incredible tool in my microdosing toolbox.
0: What about risks, though? How did you protect yourself from the risks of maybe getting the protocol wrong or just getting some psilocybin that, that was kind of funky?
1: Education is, is, is a huge part of it, right? It, because there's no textbook on this is what works. There's, no, you, you know, there's no, no doctor scientific information where a doctor can sort of say, this is what works. I think that it's a bit working with the medicine itself, right? I think intentions are important because then you sort of give the medicine a roadmap. I hate to say play around with it, but you say, okay, how does this work for me? And, and how do you figure that out? Or how did I figure that out, Scott? Through journaling, right? At night, I would say, what was the high and what was the low of the day, right? So you know what? I, that day I was a bit anxious. I was a bit, well, you know what? Let me see if I if I work my dosage down a little bit. And and with, with dosage, which is just as important as protocol and finding the right protocol and finding the right dosage is, is sometimes hit or miss also. I, I, when I started the microdose, there was a couple of days where I was like, okay, let me see what happens if I try a little bit more medicine. And I went from, I think it was like 200 milligrams to 250 milligrams. And I felt totally different with just 50 milligrams. I sort of, I felt yawnish and I felt a bit more tired. And I was like, you know what? that didn't work for me. So it was, it was finding it. I think that, again, educate yourself because you have to know your life around you. I mean, if you're someone who has been prescribed any other type of medication, you need to educate yourself to see what are the effects going to be if using other types of medicine. There's, there's, there's a lot of great uh, message boards out there and communities out there. I know that WebDelux is doing a great part in making sure that people are educated, if this is something that you're interested in, make sure that you also either talk to your doctor about what's going on or see how that might react with some medicine that you're using. So that's, it's you're right, the, the, the dangers of course are there and that's why um, I just share my experience with people, people have to do their own homework because you're right, the psychedelics aren't for everybody, they're not for everybody. But if you're educated and you, and you go in with good intentions you know, knowing that you're, you're, you're asking the medicine for something, the potential of healing is definitely there.
0: So we're going to talk about healing a little bit more in a minute, but let me ask you before we get to that, you mentioned that you had a cannabis addiction. I've got to say, I hate it when people the hosts yeah, yeah, yeah. and podcasts that I watch like me, just let the good stuff <laughs> talk. So I've got, got to ask the follow-up question. What happened with your cannabis addiction?
1: Before cannabis controlled my life. I'm not a cannabis hater. I, I, I'm a big believer that cannabis as a medicine helps many people from people going through cancer therapy, people who have conditions where they, they don't get appetite, they don't get hungry. Cannabis is very good for them. So, so cannabis is a is a really powerful medicine, but to me it was also a very double-edged sword. It took me to mask my problems, to escape my problems, and not really be conscious and present with my problems. And it took over my life. It was you know, get up. Why don't you get high? You know, uh, go to work. Why don't you get high? Get home from work. Get high. It's just it was it was a constant cycle that I. I couldn't find a way to get out of it. And maybe there wasn't the intention to get out of it. I was reading something today that said, true happiness is not doing something that you want now to be able to obtain something that you really want in the future, right? So the cannabis was saying, get high now, without thinking, what are the long-term conditions? What do you, Are you going to be happier when you don't do this? No, I just want to, just, this is what I want now. So when I realized and I start studying about psychedelic medicine and what it's doing and it's being used as medicine and microdosing and it's being microdosing is being used to control addiction i told myself your in your most important intention to start to microdose is to get rid of your cannabis habit to stop your cannabis addiction because it's controlling you and scott i'm a i'm a really big believer that you can get addicted to anything right people say oh you can't get addicted to cannabis You you can get addicted to chocolate. You can get addicted to prescription drugs. You can get addicted to uh, mushrooms. You can get addicted to anything. You get addicted to pornography. You get addicted to You get So addictions are there. But I'm I'm, I'm a big believer that what happens is that the human being, when it thinks with the mind, when it acts with the mind, that's when the situation ends. Because the mind is the one that tells you, you know what? Just one more hand. And I say, we'll never gamble again. Just one more drink. I promise you, one more drink. And we're going home. And tomorrow, we're sober. Just One more smoke, just one more joint, and it's not until the heart finally speaks and the heart says, Stop. And that's what happened. The heart said to me, You see, you see that microdosing thing? Read that again. Microdosing could help you with this. Do you have the intention to really want to stop? Yes, I do. And that's when the heart said, Then let's go, let's use this and use that intention. And that's where the, the again, I go back to the and protocol worked for me because that first day, of the dosage day, it was like, Okay. I feel great. I feel wonderful about my life. I don't need that other stuff right now. Today, I don't need that. I'm I'm in a happy place for myself. The next day, that transition day was, well, I didn't really need it yesterday. Why am I going to need it today? And that third day, that integration, which is the most important part, as I'm sure you know, Scott, of any psychedelic practice, the integration of what you use and how you use the medicine is that third day of like, okay, wait a minute. I know I want to go back to doing what I was doing, but I didn't. I didn't those other days. Let me integrate what the medicine taught me, how it told me to breathe, how it told me to think about something else, how it told me to put my mind on something else. Let me integrate that now so that I don't fall back into my old habits. So that's how it really helped
0: me. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing all that. It's funny because going back a few minutes ago, you mentioned, oh, there's no Medical textbook on using psychedelic medicine, and I've got to say, as an entrepreneur, I'm curious as to who will be the person that comes out with that very first textbook, <laughs> especially one that's geared towards a popular. Imagine- <laughs> ah, Webdelics, where else? Where else would you go? <laughs> hey, hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> but you know, that goes as to something that might be in this book mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when I have told people about my journey into the world of psychedelics on this podcast, there has been a lot of confusion with people that I have spoken to not just about the various medicines themselves, which of course aren't exactly the same, but also between the world of psychedelics and the world of cannabis itself. They're not the same, just as crack is not the same (laughs) as pot. Correct. But I don't know that that's really seeped into the popular consciousness. One of the things, though, that I'm hearing is that, although it's true, you could get addicted to anything, I've been accused by my spouse of being addicted to disco. Ah, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a a disco junkie. (laughs)
1: But there's nothing, there's there's things that we can be addicted to that are good. Love, love is good.
0: (laughs) Hugs are good. Uh, Smiles are good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I claim my addiction to the Definitely, love it. (laughs) In the meantime, am I hearing, without you directly saying it again, but let me just put a fine point on it, that the... Although one can get addicted to anything, you have not had, to the best of your knowledge so far, an addictive reaction to psilocybin no, in the no. time. That you-
1: I love that you asked that because people have asked me that. They're, well, can't you get addicted? And I go, look, I'm going to be incredibly honest with you. When I was grappling with my cannabis addiction, if there was cannabis in my night table, I was not happy until it was gone. I was, it was, it was always there. It was there. So you know what? I had a bad day. I'm going to smoke. I had a great day. I'm going to smoke. I had a whatever. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch a movie. It was there. There's mushrooms at my night table every single night. And there's not one day, Scott, not one day that I go, you know what? Today was such a garbage day. I need some mushrooms to sort of just go on to space. Never. Not once. Not once. I know when my protocol is. I know that in my integration periods, those three week periods that I've had, there's never been one day where I'm like, you know what, I I can't wait to start dosing again. I can't wait to start dosing again. Where I know for a fact that the addictive personality doesn't think that way. The addictive personality is right away, I I I want that fast fix. I want to be happy now. I don't want to be happy down the road. I want to be happy right now. So I I, I get it. Now that being said, that doesn't mean that you can't get addicted to psilocybin. I don't know. I'm sure that with the wrong intentions, in the wrong, go back to, I'm sure anyone who's heard, talked, or discussed psychedelics has heard set and setting, right? So if that mindset is in the wrong place to do psychedelics, of course you can abuse it. Of course it could become addictive. Of course it could become that it controls you. And, and that's, that's each, each individual is different. I'm talking from my personal experience as a cannabis addict, knowing that there is an addictive personality inside my body and how I've reacted to this substance or this medicine. So that's why I would argue that at least for me, it is not addictive, but I can't, I'm not going to generalize and say it's not because I'm I'm sure that that we could come across a situation where someone just uses the medicine the wrong way and without intentions.
0: Yeah. And that goes, thank you for making that clear, because one of the things that we are attempting to do is empower people who have had psychedelic experiences to share their story without them having to take on the mantle of being the spokespeople for the most up-to-date science from around the entire planet on these substances. So that clarification really went to that point. Now, I've asked the questions in what you said earlier that I needed to get out before we moved into a direct response that you talked about the initiation part of your, or the early parts of your journey as you were transitioning into a new phase of your life. You talked About And like I said a minute ago, this really spoke to me, understanding that there was a new phase of your life that would be coming as you went on your journeys. And then you also began to talk and begin to think as well about what that might look like in a way that was a little bit broader. (sighs) Caesar, I don't know about you, but I'm going to find out. (laughs) Yeah, I was raised in a marginalized community. I was raised in rural America, not a part of the country that many politicians choose to focus on, particularly in the 80s when I was growing up. And not only that, but I was raised in the African-American community. And I'm not someone who's particularly inclined to call out victimhood everywhere I see it. But in the 1980s, in rural Kansas, the N-word was used to describe members of my family. Teachers and other leaders said things that made it clear that at least in their opinion as authority figures, me and other people like me did not have those possibilities. And imagining different possibilities for myself was a process that took me decades decades. And I often wonder, well what if I'd had a tool to think about this earlier or come to it more quickly and if life certain circumstances had not been hard and forced me to think, I might never have thought about it at all. So one of the things I'm curious about was to the extent that the background that you had may have predisposed you to view future op- outcomes in a limited way and to what extent then that interplay or that, that background may have interplayed with your psilocybin usage to alter the trajectory of your life? You
1: saying that you take me to a very profound moment in a macro journey that I had. I had a, a, a macro journey uh, with psilocybin for my 55th birthday. And this is all during that transitional moment of what's going on, what's going to happen. And when I sat with the medicine, one of the intentions I had was to, to, to find out what was it from my past, what was it from my past that, that kept me sometimes tied to not seeing the potential in myself, right? Why in past instances, I might've thought about a business or a business idea, but somehow it just, and the medicine took me to a really dark place in my life at a, at a childhood age, being raised in a Hispanic loving home, very loving home, but a family or disciplinary who maybe didn't know or didn't have the skills to discipline in a different way. And the medicine takes me to encounters of disciplinary situations with my dad that were very traumatic in my life. But at the same time, the medicine showed me a couple of things. It said, look, one, your dad didn't know any better. That's how he was raised. That's how he came up. So he didn't know any better. Second was, it was he wasn't doing it out of a non-loving way. He was trying to call you to action to say, hey, your mother and I sacrificed everything we got to come to this country to have you create a better future and you're not doing of your part. That he did was right. I don't know. I mean, I would I would have handled it differently. I think generationally, we go As we go back, we could see that there's generations that suffered a lot more trauma at their hands at their parents than maybe we do now. I think maybe parents were more educated. Parents are a little bit more, you know, we, we've been taught that there's ways to sort of talk to our kids and treat our kids without having to go down a, a type of road. But the medicine did show me that that is what held me back. And it said, look, you've been scared of the potential of failure. You've been scared of what's going to happen, the consequences if I do bad, if I do bad on a test, or if this doesn't go wrong. Get that out of your mind. Get that out of your life. Stop thinking that way. Your dad's a beautiful person. Forgive him, not because he needs forgiveness, he was doing, but, but just so you can let that go, so you can not have that hanging over you, so you can move forward in the open space knowing that failure is a potential, failure is a potential. But if you fall, you're going to get back up and you're going to get forward. You're not going to sit there and let it sort of squash you. So, so that that is definitely what I felt through the medicine. And I'm not sure if maybe if I've had an earlier journey, if I would have seen that now. But it the calling happened when it did. And now, you know, like you said, it's it, it's now talking about it. It's sort of having these discussions of the potential of what could happen because maybe maybe if I wouldn't have gone back to that. Situation in my life, I would have continued to have gone like that. And that first obstacle to cultivating wisdom, or Cesar Marin, the brand, would have faced, I would have said, you know what? I'm going to give up.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. A lot of what you said about your history. My father also was in the military, working class background. And a lot of the very aggressive discipline that I received as a child who knows? I'm not going to psychoanalyze my father, but he was raised in Selma, Alabama, as an African-American male in the 1930s and 40s. When lynchings were common, I can't imagine. he got into the military as a way to escape. And it's hard not to believe that at least part of his motivation was protecting me from some of the harshness of the world or preparing me. From his perspective, the world could and would overpunish anyone that was part of a marginalized society, and I don't think that he was a predicting that the future would radically change with regards to race relations and segregation and things like that. And then B, that this might have this unexpected side effect of paralyzing me, making me afraid to make a mistake because dad's coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to make them proud, or I'm not. Were they're going to be upset or they're not going to understand or it's, it's totally manageable and
0: understandable. Was your family traditional in their upbringing? And I've got to ask if they were, how would people in your hometown that you grew up with <laughs> react? And where, where's your family from, by the way? I'm, at, I'm throwing all sorts of questions. Where originally was your family from? And then talk to me about how your community would have reacted.
1: So definitely. So, 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 so awesome. My, my parents are Colombian. Uh, I was born in Columbia, Columbia, South America. They emigrated here when I was four years old. Uh, we grew up a bit in the Northeast, uh, New Jersey, New York area, uh, then moved down to Miami, went to high school in Miami, uh, went to William Patterson University up in New Jersey, and then have, have worked between Miami, Atlanta, and New York area. I grew up in a very traditional, you know, right from wrong, Catholic family, uh, family values. Uh, family is the most important thing, uh, worth ethic from my mom. My mom came with one hand in the front and one hand in the back and she created a small little empire for herself and, and her family in the sense of, of, of the beauty industry, you know, she did really well. So it's sort of, she was the one that that taught us that, you know, hard work, hard work, hard work. Dad was very nurturing, very loving. He was there, but going back to the drug things, it was drugs are bad. Drugs are going to. Drugs are going to take you down the wrong road. It was like this, this week, and I, I heard a quote that that sort of has resonated so much with me. We were all programmed, Scott, that psychedelics would change your mind. Okay, that that's the purpose. <laughs> the purpose is to change your mind. <laughs> we, we were they're telling the message wrong. They were telling the message wrong. It is the purpose is to change your mind. So obviously my mom knew that I was battling a bit with a cannabis addiction. I'm not truthfully honest because the addict is very Mm. sneaky sometimes, but I did tell her that I had, that I was going on a psychedelic journey and that I was going to start microdosing. And her first instinct of course was that (laughs) "You're going to do what? And she went, she went, she went and called my wife and she (laughs) said, okay, is he okay? Is he like, is he fine? Is he, because he's, he's, he's giving Mm up one substance for another. And my incredible, incredibly wonderful wife, who's my business partner, said to her, she said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, before, he was hiding from his problems. Mm. He was masking his problems. He was not being present in his problems. Now he is so present, he's so there, he's so awake, he's so aware that I'm happy that he's doing this. And and he's fine. And I'm telling you, as, as as the woman who loves him, he's going to be okay. And it's gotten to the point where we were down in Miami for Canadelic in February. My mom had just come back from Columbia and she brought me back a mushroom necklace. So I tell people, my my parents are proud of the fact that I do psychedelics.
0: That is a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. yes, It's almost like I'm hearing you say in a way that psychedelics are what turned you into an entrepreneur. They did.
1: Again, I... I go back to what I was talking about earlier. I don't know what it would have been of me if I wouldn't have had psychedelic medicine. Maybe I would have said, you know what? First of all, who's hiring a 55-year-old TV producer? It's not, Even though you have 25 years experience, there's a lot of kids coming out of college with a lot of <laughs> chat DPT experience. They could do stuff a lot quicker, a lot better for a lot less than, than what maybe what I was making. So I would have maybe had to take on some other type of job or sort of seen, you know, TV, The TV business isn't what it was before. It might go the way of the newspaper. So yes, psychedelics definitely did so many things for me to become an entrepreneur. And between the awakening, between the creativity of starting this brand, between the consciousness of making sure you're doing this correctly, to the empathy of caring for other people and open and listening to other people. Because what happens, Scott, is, you start to do this and people start to share their situations with yourself and you have to listen. You need to listen. We need so much empathy in this world and it comes from lack of listening. It comes from lack of, I want to get my point across and, and, and it's just my point and it's what I believe. If you don't believe what I don't believe, not a lot of us take the time to listen to other people. And psychedelics has helped me to do that, to sort of open up my heart even more than what it already was. To be empathetic to other people's situations.
0: Well, and then that ties back into the social theme of this series of episodes, which is a lot of the cultural divisions in our country, particularly those around race and ethnicity, are at least arguably tied into the inability of people to hear each other. At least some would say that. And certainly the inability of people who may perceive themselves as of different tribes to communicate in a way that reflects empathy and openness to understanding.
1: Yeah, it's true. That's that's true. It, it's And it is that lack of understanding. I think that listening breeds understanding. Understanding breeds empathy. Empathy then brings healing, right? It's sort of we... We need to have all those stages so that we can heal. And, and, and Scott, you know this. I know this. There's so much need for mental wellness in all of us in this country. And it's, and it's that lack of openness, that lack of listening, and that lack of also being vulnerable, that lack of being vulnerable. I've, I've, I've said it many times. I think that one of the biggest misservices to humanity, injustices to humanity, was the first person that said, men don't cry. Like, why can't I express my feelings if this is what I'm feeling? I'm a human being. How could you tell me not to do that? And, and why did we sort of raise this society of, no, you have to be so tough that nothing hurts? No, it's, it's, it's a shame that we, that we live like that.
0: It's so weird because it wasn't always the case. I have an obsession with Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful scenes in all of ancient Greek literature in the Iliad is when one of the great heroes dies and the entire Greek army bursts into this huge swell of grief and crying, openly crying, beating their chests, Unapologetic, outward expression of sorrow and pain. That wasn't viewed as Emasculine then. And I don't think many people would view characters like Achilles as somehow not real men. It is a mythology that's replaced an older version of what was ideal masculinity, so to speak. I do think that going back to what you're saying, this is really... Uh, harmful, um, not just to us as men but to people across the board, because one other thing talking about hardship and mental health, if there's any group that needs fortitude and that needs to be able to be resilient and and, and in touch with feelings so that you can move forward in difficult times it's entrepreneurs because we 're very, very dependent upon the vicissitudes of the business cycle. Do you feel then that your journey Has helped you or will help you become a different sort of entrepreneur. And if so, how? I I would hope so.
1: I would hope so. And the thing is that because I'm so new, right? Because um, I'm a straight out of the box entrepreneur, I was, I equated to for 25 years, I was a sailor on a ship. Okay. I was a very loyal sailor, right? And if they asked me to mop, I mopped. If they asked me to fish, I fished. If they asked me to look over the bow, I looked over the bow. If they asked me to take the steering wheel, I took the steering wheel. The difference now is that I'm the captain. I'm the captain of the boat, and I have to steer, and I have to look over the bow, and I have to fish, and I have to mop, and I have to sort of, you know, do everything that encompassed being an entrepreneur. And there's, there's a lot of mindfulness. There's, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to go on. There's a lot that you have to be aware of, and you have to educate yourself and the fact that being more present being more aware being more awakened helps me to one believe in myself because that's that self doubt is the biggest killer of any wonderful idea that that am I going to be possible i've sat in that not only before but even in in the, in the my past last integration period that i had because i'm a human being because i'm vulnerable there was moments of that self doubt even though you know things are going well and I go, okay, this whole vision is only four or five months old, but we're already out there, and people have seen us, and people are aware of what we're doing, and things are, there was that self-doubt of like, okay, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to take off? Is this really going to materialize? Where are we going to be? You know, but it was, it's that ability to say, let me take a deep breath. Let me, in the book, The Power of Now, er- Ergot Tolle talks about being the observer of your thoughts. Don't be your thoughts. Be the observer of your thoughts. Why am I feeling this way? What is it that has me anxious? What is it that has me depressed? Instead of being that depression, instead of being that anxiety, be that outside looking at why is this going on? And I think that once we do that, at least that's helped me in this new role as an entrepreneur to say, okay, why, why are you feeling that trepidation of that might not happen? Well, make it happen. And if you can make it happen, you're going to make it happen. If you can't, then that, that's that's way it is. Move on to the next thing. I'm always so inspired by seeing so many incredible entrepreneurs out there to sort of find a way. And, and my hope is that I can learn from all of them, a little here, a little there. This goes to you know the people at Nobody Studios who are amazing. And everyone that's part of this studio brings so much to it. I've learned little things from from so many people. That's what it also takes, right? That sort of, that believing in oneself, that finding that community, that finding that that circle of people who believe in you, who can sort of bring you up and who can guide you to sort of say, hey, you know what? I did the same thing. Don't make this mistake that I made. Or, hey, you know what? Maybe this might be a better idea. So when you have that type of community and that type of structure, and and I, and I love that, that Nobody Studios does this and that it's, it's become part of WebDelics, that that's what sort of helps to become a successful entrepreneur. And again, I don't consider myself a successful entrepreneur because I'm just three months, four, five months into this. I can make that distinction sometime down the road, but right now it's a living situation. It's, it's breathing, educating, learning something new every day.
0: But if there is one takeaway that I can pull from the many takeaways that this conversation has brought into the room, it is that your journey with psychedelics helped you imagine, become present to, and then become the entrepreneur that you might not have ever imagined otherwise. And that's something people need to hear. Caesar, if there's one final takeaway that you'd like to share with the audience, what might that be?
1: I think that we need to poke at each other's childhood curiosity. I'm a big believer that if you've used psychedelics and they've helped, that somehow you use that voice. What we need more is we need to see more people that look at me and go, there's an entrepreneur who's a husband, who's a father, who's a son, who's a member of his community. He votes, he volunteers, he's just like me. And yes, he uses psychedelics. He uses them as a life performance enhancer. He uses them as a biohack for life. That's what he's doing. That's how he's using them. I think that's what I would hope the message is that if you microdose it, you wear a shirt like this. So you open up the conversation. So if someone says, oh, Scott, you microdose? Uh, yes, I microdose. I've heard about that. I've read about that. Cultivate me with your wisdom so that I can smile like you're smiling. And we open up these conversations. That's that's what I'm hoping that we take the takeaway is.
0: I think that was a beautiful way to frame the final part of this discussion, which is answering yet another question that I'm sure the audience is dying to know. How can they find out more about you as well as cultivating wisdom? Where do they go? What do they do? The apparel brand
1: cultivating dot net uh, is where they could find the apparel. Also, as part of what we're doing for Cultivating Wisdom as an apparel brand, we're uh, committed to donating part of our first year's proceeds uh, to Vet Solution. Vet Solution is a wonderful organization uh, who helps veterans find alternative plant medicine uh, healing for PTSD. Marcus Capone has has an incredible, incredible foundation. Um, So we're we're helping them out. That's a great place. The Instagram account, uh, which is cultivating.wisdom. Is a wonderful place uh, to listen to me and my journey and my sharing my experiences as I I microdose and how it's helped me and the importance of things that we've talked about transition integration Mm -hmm. mindfulness centeredness so we talk about that and then my LinkedIn I'm trying to uh, like I said be a thought leader for my generation Generation Xers that might have that still trepidation uh, the Hispanic community also so uh, I'm looking for speaking engagements to, to to talk to people about the possibilities of transformation that if we sort of live in the now a little bit more and close the doors a bit to depression and anxiety that if we have things that hold us down it anchors down like addiction that there is the potential to get over it that there's, there's there, there is it exists and how i've done it that i've used this tool called microdosing and this substance this medicine called psilocybin to help me get to where i am so would love to, 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 to chat to other people and, and just honored. Like I said, honored to be here, honored to what we're doing. Scott, again, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you and WebDelics are doing. I know that you guys are positioning yourself uh, to be the leading voice, the quote-unquote uh, WebMD of psychedelic medicine. Much applause to that. I would love to and hope that moving forward I can be as, as much of as a help, support, cheerleader, anything I can for you, for Mike Momula what they're doing, everyone at, 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 at WebDelix, what they're doing, I'm sure if you're watching this podcast, you follow them. But if you're not, make sure you let people know about WebDelix because this is, that is the place to go.
0: You took the words right out of my mouth. But let me throw something back at you. I follow you on both Instagram and LinkedIn. On Instagram, your videos in particular really live out the authenticity that you talk about and your LinkedIn content is stellar. So with that all in mind and, and with that for the audience to chew on, I, let me thank you for being on the show, Caesar. It was truly a pleasure having you. Now, for those of you who are listening to or watching, keep tuning in. In upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about... Every Everything from your first trip to how to think about psychedelics as a potential agent of assisting with the aging process. In addition, if you believe that the content of this episode or of our other episodes is meaningful to you, or would be meaningful to others, do exactly what Caesar just said a few minutes ago. Share what we're doing with them. We want to get the word out about what Webdelix is and what it stands for and be able to be there to provide trusted and credible information. In addition, follow us on our various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. YouTube and leave a five star review for us on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to us on YouTube and leave a remark in the comment section of the YouTube videos for your favorite episodes. In addition, don't hesitate to go to our website, webdelics.com. That's W E B D E L I C S dot com and subscribe to our blog. Find out more trusted, valuable, and credible information about plant medicine and psychedelics. In the meantime, be sure to come back for yet another episode of the WebDelics Podcast. The Web Deluxe podcast exists to educate, illuminate, and inform. It does not provide medical advice or recommendations as to any course of treatment, mental health or otherwise. You should always consult with a physician or other licensed healthcare professional, mental health or otherwise, before pursuing any personal growth program or course of treatment.